Well, if you're not aware, today is Mexican Independence Day, so happy Mexican Independence Day. We want to be a global community here at Crown. Thank you, worship team. That was wonderful. Hey, we want to make sure that you're aware of something that's happening on Friday. Micah Borne, a spoken word artist, will be here Friday during chapel. I have seen uh, Micah in several different contexts. I've been with him in Paris and other conferences. You will not want to miss Friday's chapel. And not only that, but Friday evening, we're going to have an open mic time. This is an opportunity for you to get involved in the game, for you to come bring your poetry and present it to the Crown community Friday night in the coffee shop, 7 to 9. Along with your poetry, Micah will also present some of his poetry. So we're very excited to have Micah on campus. He is traveling all over the world uh, presenting his spoken word, and we are so privileged to have him. So look for the posters for details. Again, Friday night at the coffee shop. Uh, you won't, won't want to miss that. You'll hear about it if you were, weren't there. So today we have the privilege of having a speaker who you see on campus frequently but might not know exactly why he's on campus. He and his wife, Julie, have four children. He serves as the senior pastor of the River Church in Chaska. He's also an adjunct professor here at Crown, teaching our biblical and uh, evangelism and missions course. But in addition to that, he is also the Crown representative for the Candidate Development Office of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which I think may be the longest title of anyone on our campus. So here's what that means. Our speaker today has the responsibility of helping people who are interested in moving into full-time professional ministry. And he works with them through the process of becoming licensed as a pastor or a missionary with our organization, the Christian Missionary Alliance. So if you are in, interested in that, whether you want to go with the Christian Missionary Alliance or not, I'm sure that Reverend Mapstone would be more than willing to talk with you about that process, what it looks like, how you can be ready for it so that when you graduate, you are ready to step into ministry full-time. So it, that's what his title is and what he does on campus. He is here Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, and he's available to meet with students for those reasons, but mentoring and other reasons as well. He is a graduate of the University of Colorado with a degree in graphic arts, and I've been told that he has the best worship and sermon slides uh, of any church in Minnesota. He also graduated from Crown College a couple years ago with a master's in Christian leadership. Now, this is normally the part of the introduction where I say, would you please welcome to uh, Crown College Rob Mapstone, but I've got more. Yeah, you should be nervous because I know people. Discovered this week that Rob is a fan of the Washington Redskins, the New York Yankees, yeah, dare we even bring him up here, you know? The Chaska Hawks, and of course the Crown Storm. You're a fan of the Crown Storm. All right. I did not know this, but apparently circulating in our country, there was a photo of our speaker asleep at the wheel on a national magazine cover. I didn't know that. You'll have to maybe explain that to me sometime. I also found out that 
He was married at the headquarters of Compassion International in Colorado Springs. But interesting, after that wedding, they would not allow any other weddings at their facilities anymore. <laughs> what is up with that? Now, maybe more disturbing than all of that, and this requires some explanation, I discovered that at one point in Rob Mapstone's past, he was the Sunday school teacher for his future wife. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah, the moans and groans. This is problematic, buddy. He is a master of old movie trivia. He's a great gamer in a number of areas, board games. And we are so pleased to have him at Crown College for all the reasons I've said and so many more. Would you give it up for Rob Mapstone? Thanks. Appreciate it. I'll have to get you I back. Got, <laughs> I, got, I got more dirt. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. The, I was uh, not expecting that introduction. So that was, uh, I'll have to find out. Okay. My father-in-law is in the building. So, um, yes, I, I, that requires a lot of explaining, and you'll have to see me personally probably to get the explanations. Um, yeah, because I can't cover it all. I just, I can't even begin to. Uh, my wife, Julie, is here, and you can ask her about the Sunday school thing. Uh, she is four years younger than me, and, uh, um, but we were not dating uh, when... <laughs> When I was teaching Sunday school, it was later on after she came back um, from college that I was like, hey, she's grown up. And uh, so uh, it worked. Um, you, will, uh, you can see her there, my wife, Julie. She's also up here in the front. My, my kids. And a big shout out to my BEM class, my 2 p.m. BEM class. Yes. So um, I, I did want to mention with my role as with the Candidate Development Office, I am here uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday pretty much all day. Um, I have an office at W239. Uh, you can see my, that's my cell phone number. You can text me. You can call me. You can email me. Um, uh, you can stop me in the hall. I usually eat in the cafeteria once or twice a week. Um, I will plan to be there probably today um, for lunch, and I'll just kind of maybe sit at a table, and if anyone wants to come and talk, um, uh, I would love to have you come and talk with me. That would be um, fantastic. So I also, by the way, have five scholarships that I give away every year. Um, so for those who are act actively involved in working toward ministry with the Alliance. So now um, that's another reason to come and talk with them. Um, I, was, uh, I was joking with uh, Ken Castor earlier. Um, Ken is also, so Bill's a great friend and we um, we get together, and uh, it's fantastic. But also, Ken, Ken and I have been friends for years, and, and uh, um, he's a, uh, he and his family are just a huge support to Julie and, I, and my family, and, and we are very thankful for the casters in our lives. But um, I was joking with Ken and saying that it's kind of interesting being here speaking on Wednesday. And uh, so for those of you who were here on Monday, you know, um, Ben Stewart was here, and, and uh Ben is great. He's a colleague of mine at the national office. He's a friend, um, and he is, he is so cool. He's, you know, just hip, you know, with his cool haircut and the hip clothes, and he's a great speaker. He's so, so wonderful, and, uh, 
Um, he did a great job on Monday. And then, as you heard, you have Micah coming in on Friday, and I totally encourage you to come to, to see Micah. He is amazing. He is just, um, you're just going to love it, and you will, you will not want to miss Friday. Um, and so I was thinking, here I am on Wednesday, kind of like in between, you know, Ben on Monday and me on Friday. I kind of feel like, like, the, like the liverwurst between two really great slices of bread or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, because I, I am not hip, not that you couldn't tell that already. Um, I am not poetic. I am not uh, some great polished speaker. Um, but for whatever reason, um, I do believe that I am, have been chosen by God to be here for this time uh, for you. And uh, so my, I know there are people who are praying for this time all over. And um, my hope is just that, that God gets his message across and that I don't get in the way. So uh, on that note, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I, um, I do just pray that you would meet with us today, that your word would come through, that I would be attentive to your spirit and obedient to you, and that you would receive all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, we will have it on the screen in a little bit and different when we kind of break it down a little bit. But if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, that'd be great. Um, I, so I was, uh, um, as I mentioned, so I'm here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I usually am here at chapel on those days, since those are chapel days. I usually sit right over there in that area. And um, many times as I'm sitting here in chapel, I'm, there's, uh, the thought goes through my head, so if I were speaking in chapel, what would I want to say to you? And so I thought about that a lot. When I was asked to speak, then that kind of changed things a little bit. And, and I spent a lot of time praying, God, what do you want me to say to, to these students? And I prayed about it quite a bit. And, um, and I felt God leading me to this passage, Deuteronomy 6. It's one of my favorite passages, although I have a lot of favorite passages. And um, it is a somewhat familiar passage. Maybe you're not, maybe you don't realize it's familiar, uh, it is um, a passage that is referred to later on by Jesus when he is asked by an expert of the law, what is the greatest commandment? He refers to this passage. Uh, so we know it as the greatest commandment. Um, the Jews would know this as the Shema. Uh, it is a, uh, uh, the, the, the Hebrew call to prayer, um, which a, even, a, even today, good God-fearing Jews would repeat these words um, a couple times a day in their morning and evening prayers. And uh, we're going to look at um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9 today. Let me read that for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You should write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So now I know you may be thinking, okay, well, Rob, by the way, you can call me Rob. You don't have to call me Reverend Mapstone. Um, that's what my wife calls me. Uh, so just kidding. Um, so I did teach her Sunday school, of course. So Rob, so, so you, can, uh, you can call me Rob. Anyway, um, you may be thinking, Rob, that's your favorite passage in the Bible? All these great passages in the Bible, that's your favorite? Well, I have to confess, 
Um, I actually have a whole lot of favorite passages in the Bible. Um, Many of you, so some of you have come to the river, you've heard me preach, um, or even come occasionally or whatever, but um, I say that a lot when I preach. This is one of my favorite passages. This is one of my favorite passages, because I have a lot of favorite passages in the Bible. And to be honest, so should you. You should have a whole lot of passages, favorite passages in the Bible. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this book, this Bible is amazing. It is God's word. It is God-breathed. It is, it is living and active and, 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 and profitable for all kinds of good things in our lives. And I encourage you to fall in love with this book, to spend time in this book, to find God in his word. So I have a whole lot of favorite passages Uh, But this one in particular I felt led to by God today. And so let's break it down a little bit. Look at verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So here Moses is giving uh, the people of Israel a reminder to focus on God, to focus on loving God. And I love how he says in verse 4, the Lord our God. He's reminding them of the fact that they have this covenant relationship with this God, the creator of the universe. Let me remind you of the context. So the, um, the people of Israel, for whatever reason, were, were a people that God had chosen and to specifically set them apart, set them aside as his chosen people, that he would bless them and be with them. We see those promises in the Old Testament. And, and um, as we arrive in the book of Exodus, we know that uh, they were living in slavery in Egypt, and they cry out to God, and God sends Moses to bring them out of slavery, and we have the wonderful passages of the ten plagues, and then the crossing of the Red Sea, and then God leads them to the promised land where they have an opportunity to go in. He wants them to go in and take possession of the land, and they rebel and because they're, they're, they're scared, and they don't want to go in. And so... He eventually disciplines them by having them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But then eventually, even during the wilderness, um, he continues to provide for them. He feeds them with manna and with quail, gives them water, continues to lead them. And he eventually leads them back to the promised land for a second opportunity to obey and to go in and take the land. And that's exactly what happens in the very next book, the book of Joshua. We see them going in and conquering the land. But here in Deuteronomy, they are on the verge of that. And Moses is reminding them of who God is and what God has done and of what he expects for them moving forward. And here he reminds them that they are God, that God is, is, is um, he has this relationship, this covenant relationship with them. And they're being called to remember that relationship with God and to love him with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might. In our BEM class, at the beginning of the semester, one of the things we talked about was the fear of God. And we talked about how one of the aspects of the fear of God is knowledge of God, that we have to know who God is in order to fear him. And we talked about how that's not just about learning about God, but that's a fear that is born through experience, that that it's a knowledge uh, that we know God because we've experienced him. In order to really fear God, we have to know him. I believe the same is true with love. In order for us to truly love God with all our heart, soul, and might, we need to know him. We need to have been able to experience life with him. I love my wife very much. I love her more than anything else on this planet. It's God first, then my wife. And I'll tell you right now that our love, my love for her is more now than it was when we were first married. And it's because I know her more. 
And I don't just know some list of things about her, but I know her. We have experienced life together. We've gone through ups and downs. We've gone through some really tough stuff and some really great stuff. And because of that, I know her better. And as our knowledge of one another has grown, our love has grown. Love implies knowledge that is gained through experience. Moses challenges them to keep this love for God in the forefront of their lives. Look at verses 6 to 9. And these verses that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. So that's, that's great. But I will say this. It's kind of hard to talk about God. It's hard to talk about spiritual things, isn't it, sometimes? It's a whole lot easier to talk about just fun, easy, surface kind of things. It's, it's a lot easier to talk about the weather or about sports, about fantasy football, which, by the way, my three teams all won this week, so that was awesome. Um, see? It's, it's easy to talk about stuff like that, right? It's a lot harder to talk, to just have casual conversations with people about God about who God is and what he means to us. It's, that's a lot harder to do. But this is something that the, the Israelites did pretty well. They had an oral tradition. They passed on from generation to gen- generation who God is. They, they, did, they worked really hard at trying to keep him in the forefront of their lives. They, and so they, they worked at passing on God to the next generations. They made it a conversation. Here, here we actually see this idea of just keeping them in the forefront, a, a part of all of your life, sitting down, getting up, walking along the road, lying down, whatever it is you're doing to be talking about God. But passing on commands about God and uh, instruction about who God is is one thing. Passing on a relationship with God is something else. And as we go through the Old Testament, we begin to see that, that they struggled with that. There's this kind of slow fade that happens over the Old Testament as the people began to struggle in their relationship with God and they, they began to lose sight of keeping God in the forefront of their, relation, in their, in their lives. Even though they would talk about him, he wasn't, their, their, the relationship was lost and they struggled to hold on to that. Eventually we see that, that uh, um, you know, they, they fade so much to the point where God actually disciplines them by having, allowing Jerusalem to be destroyed and people taken away into exile. We eventually have the, um, even after God brings them back, we have the 400 years of silence before we arrive at, at the birth of Christ. And, and uh, by the time that Christ shows up, following God has become nothing more than like following a list of rules. See, they focused on the details and they missed the heart. They had this head knowledge. They had this lifestyle down, but they didn't have a relationship. The passage itself actually talks about things called phylacteries and mezuzahs. Are you familiar with those? Uh, it, it talks about, it doesn't really talk about those. What it talks about is, is keeping them in the frontlets of your eyes and on your forehand, binding them there. And so what they did is they made up these phylacteries, the, these straps. The, the, they would take the, a little box and they would put scripture in it, the law in it, and they would bind it to their forehead and, and, and on their arms. And they would even have these mezuzahs, these little containers that they would place on the door frames of their houses. That, and and the, the, the mezuzahs would have the scripture inside. You can actually, I was talking with Dr. Erickson, and he has one of these. You can actually go up and take a look at it. You'd show them, right? Yeah, you can go up and take a look at it. 
And, and it's, it's pretty cool. But the problem is, is that that's all this passage became to them. And understand, there's nothing wrong with reciting the Shema. There's nothing wrong with having phylacteries or masseuses. But that's not bad. Those things are not bad. The problem is they lost sight of God in the process. Take a look at verses 5 and 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This was always supposed to be about a relationship. It was never supposed to be replaced by a system of rules. But rather than putting God in their hearts, they put him on their forehead. And they missed out on the relationship. Now you may be thinking to yourself, well, this is an interesting uh, history lesson, Rob. But what am I supposed to make of this? What is, what is this supposed to mean to me? And I'm glad you asked. Because I believe the church in America, I believe we've done a good job of this exact same thing. I believe we've done a good job of passing on head knowledge and a Christian lifestyle and not necessarily a great job of passing on a heart relationship. You guys have all probably heard the statistics about your generation, about how uh, your generation is walking away from the church in unheard of numbers, and you're not coming back. I think it's because so many of your generation have grown up in Sunday school and learned the right answers, um, learned what a Christian lifestyle looks like, but you have not necessarily, it's a lot harder to pass on a relationship. So I grew up in the church. Um, I asked Christ into my life when I was four. Um, I don't even actually remember it, to be honest. Um, I just kind of know what happened. I just have basically always known my life as a Christian. As I, uh, you know, as I got older, I was asked to do, you know, testimonies, and they, I was told that, you know, for a good testimony, you want to talk about your life before Christ, and you want to talk about your conversion experience, and you want to talk about your life after Christ, right? You guys gotten that? Um, well, my before life, before Christ life was like potty training. <laughs> and now that I'm a Christian, I don't have any problems with that anymore. <laughs> so... I, I really struggled with that. I was like, you know, my, I didn't have a before. Anyone else struggle with that? Do you struggle with that? And, and, and so for me, so I grew up in the church. I just always knew church. And, and, and church was great. And I was in church all the time. And I learned. I went to Sunday school. I went to youth group. I did all these kind of things. I learned stuff. I, I, I even have a certificate somewhere for standing up in front of the church and saying all the books of the Bible. And uh, I, have, uh, I had Bible memory, and I was great at sword drills and all this kind of stuff. And, and, but the problem was I didn't, have, I didn't have a lot of depth. I didn't have this, a real strong relationship with God. I had mostly head knowledge. My life was about doing stuff for God. I understand, I, I believe I was still a Christian, but it wasn't as real as it could be. Later on in life, I hit a wall. I was actually sitting at a railroad crossing, and uh, waiting for the, the train to cross. And I, I was just going through some stuff in my life, and I began crying out to God that I was tired of this half-hearted kind of Christian life, this, I, that I wanted more, that I wanted him to be real in my life, that I wanted him to be the Lord of my life. I wanted him to come in and change me, to do a work in me. I wanted something real, and so I called out to him. 
And he did. He came in and broke into my life in a whole new way, and, and things since that point in my life have been very different than they were before. Understand, it wasn't like some kind of overnight transformation. It wasn't like the next day I woke up and I'm like, boy, this relationship with God is so much better. It was more like the first step of a journey, like, like it was a, a, a new journey, a deeper walk with the Lord. I think some of you sitting here today know what I'm saying and that you really resonate with, especially that first part of my testimony. Maybe you've grown up in church, but the relationship itself, the, the depth is maybe not where you would like it to be. Some of you maybe even, um, maybe even not that long ago became Christians. You don't have to have grown up in the church for this to be your testimony as well. But maybe you're sitting here today and you're hungering for something that is more real, more deep, more, more of a relationship with the creator of the universe, your, your Lord. I believe that, the, that for many of you, the, the most important time during your entire four years here at Crown, or more years, whatever, maybe this moment when you, at some point, wherever it might be, maybe it's not today, maybe it's some other time, but when you get real with God and say, I want a real relationship with you. I, I'm tired of a Sunday school answer kind of faith. I'm tired of a surface relationship. I'm tired, tired of, of having it be more of just what I've grown up knowing I want it in here. I want, I want something real. I want to let you know that Crown is a great place to wrestle. You're surrounded by people who care about you and love you and who want more than just a, a good grade for you in class but actually want to see you grow in this area of your life. But many of you, I believe, are craving this right now. And I think wrestling with it is a good word because um, so it's not easy what I'm calling you to is involves sacrifice and submission and being vulnerable and being broken before God but I believe many are craving that I believe many of you here today are that's resonating with you and so I want to encourage you to begin like I began and just asking for God to work in your life to do something different, to change a, a head knowledge into a heart knowledge, to, to, help you, to help you experience him in a new way. So what, what's going to happen here is I'm going to dismiss you in just a minute. But I'm going to invite you to stay. If, uh, if any of this is resonating with you, I want you to stick around. I talked with Dr. Kuhn about this earlier, and I know he's available. We've got um, some others here who I'm sure, I know I talked to Dr. Castor about this. There, some, of, some others might be able to be willing to stick around and to pray, to talk with you about this if you'd like. Um, any of you staff or faculty. Um, I believe there are those of you who are here today hungering for this to be real. You're tired of having God on your forehead, and you want him in your heart. And I want to encourage you, you're not alone. It's not weird. It's not like I'm talking about some kind of new theology, about something that, that you know, or that you're never, you were never a Christian. I'm talking about a, a, just craving a deeper walk with the Lord. And understand, there's alternative out, the alternative out there is to continue on. There are plenty of people filling our churches today who have just felt it to be more comfortable to not wrestle with this kind of stuff. And they still rely on those Sunday school answers as they go through life. 
But when, that, when life smacks you in the face, those Sunday school answers are not gonna, they're not gonna do it. Now is the time to, to, to deal with this, to wrestle with God and, and allow him to make your faith real. So I wanna encourage you to not let this moment pass. If God is in any way stirring your heart, don't go, stay. You can come down here and sit in these chairs and, and someone will come up and will pray with you or talk with you or... Um, if you just want to be by yourself and just talk with God, then we, I invite you to do that right now. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these students, Lord. I'm getting to know many of them, and I thank you for that. Um, Lord, I know there, there are some here right now, Lord, who have been following you for their whole life, but, but who are craving a deeper relationship, a deeper walk with you that they... They want that passion, that heart, that desire to love you with all their heart and soul and might. They want to walk with you in a new way, a deeper way, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you crave that as well. Lord, that you truly want a relationship with us that is, that is amazing even right here on earth. I pray that you would work among us today. And Lord, I pray for anyone that where you are stirring their heart, that you would help them to get real with you today. And that you would begin to draw them deeper. May you work in us to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, uh, I want to dismiss you today. Um, but I also invite you to stay so you're free to go or you're free to stay.